Section 25 of Captain Singleton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Life, Adventures, and Piracies of the Famous Captain Singleton by Daniel Defoe. Section 25. Our men had but just brought the ship to rights again as they came up to our broadside, and we had very happily found out and stopped the worst and most dangerous leak that we had, to our very great satisfaction. So I ordered the boats to be hauled up and manned as they were the day before, and William to go as plenipotentiary. I would have gone myself if I had understood Dutch, but as I did not, it was to no purpose, for I should be able to know nothing of what was said, but from him at second hand, which might be done as well afterwards. All the instructions I pretended to give William was, if possible, to get the old Dutchman away, and if he could, to make him come on board. Well, William went just as before, and when he came within about sixty or seventy yards of the shore, he held up his white flag as the Dutchman did, and turning the boat's broadside to the shore, and his men lying upon their oars, the parley, or dialogue, began again thus. William, well, friend, what dost thou say to us now? Dutchman, I come of the same mild errand as I did yesterday. W. What? Dost thou pretend to come of a mild errand, with all these people at thy back, and all the foolish weapons of war they bring with them? Prithee, what dost thou mean? D. The king hastens us to invite the captain and all his men to come on shore, and has ordered all his men to show them all the civility they can. W. Well, and are all those men come to invite us ashore? D. They will do you no hurt if you will come on shore peaceably. W. Well, and what dost thou think they can do to us if we will not? D. I would not have them do any hurt then, neither. W. But prithee, friend, do not make thyself fool and knave too. Dost not thou know that we are out of fear of all thy army, and out of danger of all that they can do? What makes thee act so simply, as well as so knavishly? D. Why, you may think yourselves safer than you are. You do not know what they may do to you. I can assure you they are able to do you a great deal of harm, and perhaps burn your ship. W. Suppose that were true, as I am sure it is false. You see, we have more ships to carry us off. Pointing to the sloop. Note bene. Just at this time we discovered the sloop standing towards us from the east, along the shore, at about the distance of two leagues, which was to our particular satisfaction, she having been missing thirteen days. D. We do not value that. If you had ten ships, you dare not come on shore, with all the men you have, in a hostile way. 
we are too many for you. W. Thou dost not, even in that, speak as thou meanest, and we may give thee a trial of our hands, when our friends come up to us, for thou hearest they have discovered us. Just then the sloop fired five guns, which was to get news of us, for they did not see us. D. Yes, I hear they fire, but I hope your ship will not fire again, for if they do, our general will take it for breaking the truce, and will make the army let fly a shower of arrows at you in the boat. W. Thou mayst be sure the ship will fire, that the other ship may hear them, but not with ball. If thy general knows no better, he may begin when he will, but thou mayst be sure we will return it to his cost. D. What must I do then? W. Do? Why, go to him, and tell him of it beforehand, then, and let him know that the ship firing is not at him, nor his men, and then come again, and tell us what he says. D. No, I will send to him, which will do as well. W. <laughs> do as thou wilt, but I believe thou hadst better go thyself, for if our men fire first, I suppose he will be in a great wrath, and it may be at thee, for as to his wrath at us, we tell thee beforehand we value it not. D. You slight them too much. You know not what they may do. W. Thou makest as if these poor savage wretches could do mighty things. Prithee, let us see what you can all do. We value it not. Thou mayst set down thy flag of truce, when thou pleasest, and begin. D. I had rather make a truce, and have you all part friends. W. Thou art a deceitful rogue thyself, for it is plain thou knowest these people would only persuade us on shore to entrap and surprise us, and yet thou that art a Christian, as thou callest thyself, would have us come on shore and put our lives into their hands, who know nothing that belongs to compassion, good usage, or good manners. How canst thou be such a villain? D. How do you call me so? What have I done to you, and what would you have me do? W. Not act like a traitor, but like one that was once a Christian, and would have been so still, if you had not been a Dutchman. D. I know not what to do, not I. I wish I were from them. They are a bloody people. W. Prithee, make no difficulty of what thou shouldst do. Canst thou swim? D. Yes, I can swim, but if I should attempt to swim off to you, I should have a thousand arrows and javelins sticking in me before I should get to your boat. W. I'll bring the boat close to thee, and take thee on board in spite of them all. We will give them but one volley, and I'll engage they will all run away from thee. D. You are mistaken in them, I assure you. They would immediately come all running down to the shore, and shoot fire-arrows at you, 
and set your boat and ship and all on fire about your ears. W. We will venture that, if thou wilt, come off. D. Will you use me honorably when I am among you? W. I'll give thee my word for it, if thou provest honest. D. Will you not make me a prisoner? W. I will be thy surety, body for body, that thou shalt be a free man, and go whither thou wilt, though I own to thee thou dost not deserve it. Just at this time our ship fired three guns to answer the sloop, and let her know we saw her, who immediately we perceived it, understood it, and stood directly for the place. But it is impossible to express the confusion, and filthy, vile noise, the hurry, and universal disorder that was among that vast multitude of people, upon our firing off three guns. They immediately all repaired to their arms, as I may call it, for to say they put themselves into order would be saying nothing. Upon the word of command, then, they advanced all in a body to the seaside, and resolving to give us one volley of their firearms, for such they were, immediately they saluted us with a hundred thousand of their fire-arrows, every one carrying a little bag of cloth dipped in brimstone, or some such thing, which, flying through the air, had nothing to hinder it taking fire as it flew, and it generally did so. I cannot say but this method of attacking us, by a way we had no notion of, might give us, at first, some little surprise, for the number was so great, at first, that we were not altogether without apprehensions that they might, unluckily, set our ship on fire, so that William resolved immediately to row on board, and persuade us all to weigh and stand out to sea. But there was no time for it, for they immediately let fly a volley at the boat, and at the ship, from all parts of the vast crowd of people which stood near the shore. Nor did they fire, as I may call it, all at once, and so leave off. But their arrows being soon notched upon their bows, they kept continually shooting, so that the air was full of flame. I could not say whether they set their cotton rag on fire before they shot the arrow, for I did not perceive they had fire with them, which, however, it seems they had. The arrow, besides the fire it carried with it, had a head, or a peg, as we call it, of bone, and some of sharp flint stone, and some few of a metal, too soft in itself for metal, but hard enough to cause it to enter, if it were a plank, so as to stick where it fell. William and his men had notice sufficient to lie close behind their waste-boards, which, for this very purpose, they had made so high that they could easily sink themselves behind them, so as to defend themselves from anything that came point-blank, as we call it, or upon a line. But for what might fall perpendicularly, out of the air they had no guard, but took the hazard of that. At first they made as if they would row away, but before they went they gave a volley of their firearms, 
firing at those which stood with the Dutchmen. But William ordered them to be sure to take their aim at others, so as to miss him, and they did so. There was no calling to them now, for the noise was so great among them that they could hear nobody, but our men boldly rode in nearer to them, for they were at first driven a little off, and when they came nearer they fired a second volley, which put the fellows into great confusion, and we could see from the ship that several of them were killed or wounded. We thought this was a very unequal fight, and therefore we made a signal to our men to row away, that we might have a little of the sport as well as they. But the arrows flew so thick upon them, being so near the shore, that they could not sit to their oars, so they spread a little of their sail, thinking they might sail along the shore, and lie behind their waistboard. But the sail had not been spread six minutes, till it had five hundred fire arrows shot into it and through it, and at length set it fairly on fire. Nor were our men quite out of the danger of its setting the boat on fire, and this made them paddle and shove the boat away as well as they could, as they lay, to get farther off. By this time they had left us a fair mark at the whole savage army, and as we had steered the ship as near to them as we could, we fired among the thickest of them six or seven times, five guns at a time, with shot, old iron, musket, bullets, etc. We could easily see that we made havoc among them, and killed and wounded abundance of them, and that they were in a great surprise at it. But yet they never offered to stir, and all this while their fire-arrows flew as thick as before. At last, on a sudden, their arrows stopped, and the old Dutchman came running down to the waterside all alone, with his white flag, as before, waving it as high as he could, and making signals to our boat to come to him again. William did not care at first to go near him, but the man continuing to make signals to him to come, at last William went, and the Dutchman told him that he had been with the general, who was much mollified by the slaughter of his men, and that now he could have anything of him. Anything? says William. What have we to do with him? Let him go about his business, and carry his men out of gunshot, can't he? Why, says the Dutchman, but he dares not stir nor see the king's face, unless some of your men come on shore. He will certainly put him to death. Why, then, says William, he is a dead man, for if it were to save his life and the lives of all the crowd that is with him, he shall never have one of us in his power. But I'll tell thee, said William, how thou shalt cheat him, and gain thy own liberty too. If thou hast any mind to see thy own country again, and art not turned savage, and grown fond of living all thy days among heathens and savages, I would be glad to do it with all my heart, says he, but... If I should offer to swim off to you now, though they are so far from me, they shoot so true, that they would kill me before I got half-way. But, says William, 
I'll tell thee how thou shalt come with his consent. Go to him, and tell him I have offered to carry you on board, to try if you could persuade the captain to come on shore, and that I would not hinder him if he was willing to venture. The Dutchman seemed in a rapture at the very first word. I'll do it, says he. I am persuaded he will give me leave to come. Away he runs, as if he had a glad message to carry, and tells the general that William had promised, if he would go on board the ship with him, he would persuade the captain to return with him. The general was fool enough to give him orders to go, and charged him not to come back without the captain, which he readily promised, and very honestly might. So they took him in and brought him on board, and he was as good as his word to them, for he never went back to them any more, and the sloop being come to the mouth of the inlet where we lay, we weighed and set sail. But as we went out, being pretty near the shore, we fired three guns, as it were, among them, but without any shot, for it was of no use to us to hurt any more of them. After we had fired, we gave them a cheer, as the seamen call it, that is to say, we halluded them, by way of triumph, and so carried off their ambassador. How it fared with their general, we know nothing of that. End of section 25 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California, for LibriVox